Hey, welcome to the Word Weaver podcast, a place dedicated to the powerful web words weave and the deep layers they uncover. Here you'll find a compilation of tips, tricks, and words of wisdom from writers, authors, creatives, and entrepreneurs. Basically, cool people doing cool things in the world and how they've used words as weapons of mass creation and inspiration. You'll also hear from me, your host, Louise Johnson. I'm a former marketing maven in New York and Switzerland. I left a lucrative job to follow my dream of becoming a writer. It's a never-ending journey, so I figured we should all be in it together. I've learned a lot along the way, but it's a constant evolution. My favorite part is how little by little, letters turn into words, words become sentences, sentences become paragraphs, and before you know it, you've created something from nothing. And whenever that happens in life, it's nothing short of magic. So grab a coffee or a glass of wine, and let's dive into today's chapter. Hello, welcome back to the Word Weaver podcast. I hope everybody's feeling great this week. We're still in quarantine, but we're not letting that get us down. You are currently listening to chapter 28, and it's from idea to outline how to plan your book. This is one of the most important parts about writing. You can have the best idea in the world, but oftentimes it's really hard to know where to start and how to start. The beginning of any project is often the most exciting, but it can also be the most daunting and overwhelming, especially if it's your first book, you haven't done this before, but also if you've written a million books, every single project is different. So I always refer back to these notes and this outline for every single book that I have written and that I will hopefully write in the future. In the bookish world, there seems to be a lot of debate on whether people are plotters or pantsers. A plotter is somebody who likes to outline, plot the book well in advance, down to the minute detail. And then a pantser is somebody who writes by the seat of their pants. They let the story unfold naturally. There's also a hybrid, I think it's called a plotzer or a plantser. I don't know, but it sounds like one of Santa's reindeer. Whatever it is, plotzer, plantser, they're somebody who does both. They have an outline, but they also let the story unfold naturally. Neither is right or wrong. Each book project requires something different. For my first book, it was narrative nonfiction, so it required a lot of research, a lot of detail, a lot of statistics, a lot of timelines. So I needed to have an outline for me personally to always revert back to and make sure that I was in the right time period and I was being historically accurate. The current book that I'm writing is fiction, so I find that I'm going a little bit more of the pantser or I guess plantser route. I'm gonna have to stop using those terms because I just think they sound ridiculous, but I started off with the outline I'm about to share with you and then I do take liberties as the story unfolds and let the characters drive part of it but if I do get stuck, I always have this outline to refer back to, and that makes me feel comfortable every time I sit down to write. I know that I have a reference guide. Especially at the beginning of a project, I find I'm a little bit overconfident. I'm like, I know how this is gonna end. I know the main plot points. I can do this. It's just gonna pour out of me, but inevitably I do get stuck and I wonder what I'm doing this all for, so I do need a place to come back to. And my outline reminds me where I've been, what I have written and accomplished, and where I'm going. I like to think of it as a roadmap. My outline highlights the milestones along the way, 
And then throughout the writing process, you're connecting them with roads and highways in between until you reach your final destination. The first step for me is defining my premise. I have a nugget of an idea, but this is the first thing I do to sit down and flush it all out. In two sentences, I try to summarize exactly what my book is about, my elevator pitch. That way, if somebody asks me, oh, what are you working on now? I can say in two sentences, it's about X, Y, and Z. I never used to think that was important. I thought that would come at the end. And usually by the end of a book, I will have refined this two-sentence elevator pitch. But I like to have it as a guide at the very beginning, not just to tell people and have something to say, but also mostly for myself so that it refreshes my memory of the big picture of, okay, this is the heart, the meat, the juice of what I want people to get out of it. And I find by writing it down and speaking it out loud, it helps the entire book project crystallize and seem more real as I dive into it. An example, let's take the book Educated by Tara Westover. I love this book. It's memoir nonfiction. In one or two sentences, you could say her book is about a teen who escapes her survivalist parents and upbringing, goes in search of knowledge, and re-enters mainstream society. It shows her character change from beginning to end. She was a survivalist, and through the process of being educated, gaining knowledge, she was able to re-enter mainstream society, a different person. When I write out my two-sentence synopsis, I guess a synopsis to me is a little bit longer. I call this my elevator pitch. I'll put it on a little cue card or an index card, tape it to my wall. I always make sure, is my character changing from beginning to end? I also will put on this cue card if I'm writing in third person or first person. My first book, I actually jumped back and forth between tenses, so I would write in first person for myself, it's nonfiction, and then for the next chapter, I would write in third person. I was also jumping a hundred years ahead back and forth in time, so it was a little bit challenging, but having it there reminded me to double check whose voice I was speaking in as I wrote each chapter. On the back of the card or on another little cue card or sticky note, I'll also write a couple bullet points for the time period that the book takes place in, the setting, location. Even if it's not flushed out fully, the general idea, it's really great just to have it in front of you. You could stick it maybe even on, the, on your monitor or your laptop if you want. And the last part of defining my premise is that I mentioned it in my last podcast, but I keep a checklist on the wall of the book writing process from ideation to outlining to first draft to editing, the querying process, marketing, and even the process of little extras like updating the website, getting an email list going, the social media, the PR, all of that. So that way, as I'm writing, I can kind of check off or be focused on each different area and try not to get too overwhelmed or too bogged down. In addition to having my premise, my elevator pitch, if I'm writing in third person or first person, my time period, all of this on my little cue cards taped to my wall, I also like to print it off on a one pager, a little PDF or Word document, and I put it into my binder. I will talk about that in a little bit, but I also like to keep hard copies of everything. 
I'm like an old woman. I think the internet is going to explode someday or something. I'm always paranoid and I just like having it as a reference sheet in hard copy. My second step is creating a mood board. This one you could skip if you're not a visual person, but this really helps me to get into the mindset of my characters and the world that I'm building. I used to create mood boards on Bristol boards and then tape it to my wall or just lean it up against a shelf, but I've recently started trying to Marie Kondo my life. I like a little bit more minimalist lifestyle, and although I love the look of a big book mood board on a Bristol board, I think it looks really aesthetically pleasing. I just didn't like having them lying around and I feel bad throwing them out. I work so hard on them and they remind me of each of my books. So what I've started doing, and you can do either or, I've bought kind of just those cheap little plain sketchbooks. They don't have lines in them. They're just plain paper and I'll keep that on my shelf and then I'll print pictures I've saved from Instagram or Pinterest or cut out from magazines that have the feel. It could be the look of the character's clothing, the house they live in, the scenery of if it's in New York or a beach location, whatever it is. All of that imagery I will cut out, glue into my plain sketch notebook, and I have fun with it. I'll take an evening, pour a glass of wine, put on some music from the era. I love historical age old times, a lot of vintage feel for me. So I'll put on kind of a throwback Billie Holiday, Ella Fitzgerald playlist, or I'll throw on an old Audrey Hepburn movie, and it really helps me get into the headspace. It's a fun activity, and it gets me really excited and motivated to start writing. It's the push I need to kind of put pedal to the metal and go. And it's something I always use and reference back to to kind of elicit that feeling when self-doubt and imposter syndrome creeps in and I question, what the hell am I doing? Nobody's going to read this. It's great to have these visual cues. My third step is to do a brain dump or a complete brainstorm of all of your ideas for this book and put them in one place. I used to have ideas, and I still do now, but I'm trying to get better at keeping to this system, but I would write really great scenes on the iPhone note app or in one of my moleskin notebooks or on a scrap piece of paper or type it into a Word document, and then I couldn't find where all of these ideas were, and I just felt really scattered. For my first book, I used Evernote. It's a free website as my digital catch-all for all of my brainstormed ideas. So if I had an idea that I wrote in my notes app on the subway, I would immediately come home and transfer it to Evernote. Anytime I had an idea, it would go right to Evernote and I would discard it and delete it so I wasn't getting overwhelmed and having it multiple places. For my second book, I have finally succumbed to using Scrivener. I was very hesitant for a while. I don't know why. It's amazing. I love it. I will likely do another podcast episode all about how I use Scrivener. If that's something you're interested in, let me know. It backs up to my hard drive and then I also keep on my desktop my folders really organized by year and then by project. Again, maybe that's something else I can go through how I organize my desktop folders for each book. In any case, I have one folder or one section on Scrivener called Brainstorm, and this is my method. First, I will list 
in a chronological order on a piece of paper in my notebook all of the scenes that come to mind that I want to include in this book. Scenes or topics, anything I want to touch on. It doesn't have to be a fully fleshed out chapter, just every little tidbit that I have thought of that must go in this book goes on a nice clean, well it doesn't have to be clean, it can be a messy handwritten list in my notebook. Then I will transfer that to Scrivener so I have it electronically organized. And then my final step for all of this is I put it on individual index cards. I call them cue cards or you could use a sticky note, a post-it in different colors and that goes again on my wall. I put a lot of things on my wall. I use Japanese washi tape, but I I don't know why. I just like having it on a big white canvas. I guess I could invest in a bulletin board for it. I do have a bulletin board, but I use it for other stuff. Anyway, I digress. On each of those index or cue cards, I will transfer one topic or one idea or one scene. It can be a funny anecdote. It can be a pivotal moment. It can be an important convo. Or it can be something as small as breakfast scene with spilled milk. I don't know. I like to spread them all out on the floor and then place them onto my wall. You could also use a string, just a little twine and clothespins. Something that gives you the flexibility to move them around as the story changes, as you add more scenes. Once you see these big scenes that first come to mind all laid out, it'll be a lot easier for you to look for gaps of how you can fill in the story. This is kind of your highway or your connective roads to the main milestones of your book. Sometimes I'll find that I have really great ideas that I want to include, but I don't know where they should go or how they will fit. So I will put those off to the side and incorporate them as I write. This is kind of, I guess, more of my pantser side, even though I have a full outline. Once you have all of your scenes written out, you have filled in the gaps as much as possible, then it's time to organize this into a structure. Right now you just have a collection of ideas, a collection of mini moments, but you have to have a structure in a book. It has to have a beginning, a middle, an end. Usually there's conflict and tension, rising action, you're reaching a peak of climax and then the book kind of wraps up neatly or maybe not neatly but it comes to some sort of resolution and a resolution can be good or bad. You'll notice at this stage I still don't have defined chapters. What I like to do is take my Japanese washi tape on my wall with everything laid out and try to write down the middle cut where I think the beginning is the middle meat of the story, I'll put another vertical strip of washi tape, and then I have three distinct parts. Sometimes if your book requires maybe four parts or five parts, you can divide that right away, and that way you can see, oh wow, I have way too many index cards for the beginning. It's definitely way too slow. I have to get to the action quicker. It also allows you to see, hey, is my character even changing? Do they look the same from the cue cards at the beginning to the cue cards at the end? If so, add in some meat, add in some conflict where they start to transform. For my first book, I used two different colored cue cards to indicate my chapters and then the other 
person's, the other protagonist's chapters, because it went back and forth in time, it was easy for me to see whose voice was speaking. But for my current project, I'm just using different colored highlighters, and I'm actually highlighting the points of tension with one. When new characters enter, you can really color code it however you like, but it's definitely helpful as you write, and it keeps your brain a little bit clearer versus just, oh my gosh, there's a lot of handwriting taped to my wall. That is not helpful. (laughs) Once you do this exercise, I do find it becomes clear which cue cards are already chapters in themselves and which ones are just kind of fun ideas, but they need to be mashed together with something else to create a real chapter. Now that you've done all of this, step four is you basically can create your outline from these index cards, these scene cards. You have a rough idea of where you're going and you can use this working outline every single day to see what you've already written and where you're headed. On my cue cards, I actually will use star stickers and put them on as a little reward once I've completed that cue card, even if it's just a topic, not necessarily a chapter. Generally, I personally build a book with key scenes and add the connective tissue in between at the beginning, but generally as I go. I make a million adjustments along the way to these cue cards and to my outline, especially in the editing process. My whole book was completely rearranged from what I initially had mapped it out to be, but the only way that I could get to that point was to muddle my way through that initial outline that I had created. If you are similar to me, you like to have your outline physically, tangibly visible on the wall, but you also like to have it digitally organized in Scrivener or Evernote or just on folders on your laptop. That's fine too. Basically, I'll just translate what is on the wall into Scrivener and I feel like it reinforces the topic and I can see plot holes a little bit easier that way as well. I also need to have my Excel tracker This is with my word count. I've mentioned it in previous podcast episodes. I couldn't live without my Excel tracker. A novel is roughly 70,000 to 80,000 words on average. So I do a little bit of quick math. I estimate one to two scenes per chapter. So let's say two scenes in a chapter. That's about 2,500 words on average. This is all just using rough estimates. Uh, I don't want to make it too much longer, I don't want to bore the reader, and I want to give them natural breaks. So for me, 2,500 words per chapter is a good starting point as I write. If, let's say I'm writing an 80,000 word book divided by 2,500, that is 32 chapters. Again, this is all just a template for me to work towards as I write. So I will put 32 chapters, 2,500 words a chapter, all of that into my Excel word count tracker. My first book, I targeted 32 and it ended up being 60 chapters. But again, without that roadmap, I never would have seen where the natural breaks were in the action. And that truly is how I start attacking a book. I attack it scene by scene, not chapter by chapter. And I update my Excel tracker daily. I save this onto my backup hard drive. I use Scrivener and my wall as a reference. 
And when I'm drafting, I truly try not to edit. It's really hard not to. I have an editing brain, as I'm sure a lot of you do as well. But I truly try just to get through the words, get through the story, tell it the way I want to tell it, write that scene, and then I can always come back and edit it. That's what my next stage of the process is for. This stage is just for drafting. Lastly, before I forget, I know I mentioned it briefly at the beginning, but I also use binders. I'm old school. I wish I could show you. That's the hard thing about a podcast is you can't see all of my dividers and my tabs and how it's organized. Maybe I'll put that up on my YouTube channel one of these days. But in this binder, I generally keep track of all of my sources, my background information related to the setting, characters, location, time period. I also keep examples of book proposals, nonfiction and fiction, examples of query letters, the query letter I use that got me my agent, and then I also have another Excel spreadsheet, I love my Excel spreadsheets, with a research list of all of the agents, their addresses, their emails, blah blah blah, and another one for all of the publishing houses. Once I have my first draft finished, I'll print it and put it in there, I'll have my synopsis in there. Just, it's a hard copy reference for me to go back to. And I did find having my binder from my first book a very helpful reference for my second book. Also, if you miss a couple of days writing, you're human, we're all human. Some days you just don't feel like it. It's naturally harder to get back into the flow of writing, back back into that project. So I find having everything on the wall, everything in the binder... A visual reference really helps kind of get back into that mindset and revive those creative juices. I will keep my little sketchbook with my mood board right beside that binder as well so I can flip through it all. I also light a candle. It's a very calming ritual for me. It signals to my brain that it is time to write. And this is something I've recently started but on a little small notepad. When I sit down to write, I will write out little squares for the scenes or the chapters that I want to write that day and I'll color them in as I go. Sometimes I'll also write the scenes or chapters I want to accomplish for that week. Other days I will write out the word count targets I'm trying to hit for that day and it makes me feel really good coloring it in as well as putting my little star sticker on the wall. I feel I'm making progress even though the bigger picture, if I take a step back, can often be a little terrifying of how long it's going to take me. But I really try to put that out of my head and just focus day by day, scene by scene. And that is my process, how I take an idea and form an outline. That's how I plan all of my books. I know there are a million other ways that you can go about it. I can detail those in another podcast, but I wanted to be sure especially since I'm currently writing my second book, to share with you the actual steps that I do take. I would love to hear your process, if there's something you do that's similar, if there's something you do that's different that I haven't thought of before that might be helpful. I really love talking about this stuff, as you can probably tell. So let me know in the show notes, let me know on Instagram, email, whatever it is. I love hearing from you guys. That's it for today's chapter of the Word Weaver podcast. 
Thank you so much for listening. You can find the show notes at louiseclairejohnson.com slash podcast, and you can follow us on Instagram at wordweaverpodcast. If you like what you heard today, I would love it if you considered leaving a review on Apple Podcasts as it helps more people find out about the Word Weaver. Until next time! I had a weight with words for